Well, good morning. I would invite you to take your Bibles and open them to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2 is where we are this morning. Spending some time this summer in the Proverbs, having our summer of wisdom. And we are going to be looking at all of chapter 2 this morning of Proverbs. But before we begin, would you just join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the privilege we've had to to just remember that, to celebrate it, to be reminded of the glory of Christ. And I pray now, God, that as we embrace your word this morning, that it would cause us to change, to love you more than ourselves, and to seek wisdom. God, thank you for the privilege of being together as your body. And Lord, now as we approach your word, I pray our hearts would be humble and be able to receive what you have for us. I pray this in Christ who died and rose from the dead. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Well, I'd like for you to picture uh, this scenario. I want you to picture two kids sitting at the dinner table. And dinner is done and uh, mom brings out a piece of cake. There's only enough cake there for two kids, but there's two kids at the table. And so when the mom cuts the cake, she cuts one piece bigger than the other. And then just randomly in front of one kid puts the big piece, and in front of the other kid puts the smaller piece. Now, what is the reaction of the kids? It's pretty simple to figure out, right? Okay, the kid who gets the smaller piece see if you can figure this out, is going to say, finish the sentence, it's not fair. fair. Exactly, right? It's not fair. Why did he get a bigger piece? Now, the kid who got the bigger piece, what's he going to do? Well, there's a couple things, right? One is he might just start eating really fast, right? Right? He just start, start chowing as quick as possible, hoping uh, mom just didn't have her reading glasses on or something when she cut. Let's get this down quickly. The other thing that he could do is to not say anything and kind of hide and, and lay low. Or, depending on the relationship, if it's two brothers, depending on the relationship with his brother, it might be, ha, 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 I got a bigger piece than you, right? right? He'd, he'd, he'd drive it in. He'd, he'd drill it in a little bit. Who knows? Uh, but the bottom line is this, that at that moment, When those two pieces of cake are laid out, something snaps inside of the kids. The kid who got the raw end of the deal suddenly wants justice. And the kid who didn't get the raw end of the deal does not want justice. Right? This is true. C.S. Lewis said, And every single one of us is born with an innate understanding of right and wrong. But the problem is that right and wrong has been stained by sin. Therefore, when I'm watching a Chicago Bears game and a call goes against the other team that wasn't fair, I rejoice. And when a call goes against us that isn't fair, I throw a pillow across the room. Right? Right? That's the way it works. There's a sense of 
justice when we get the raw end of the deal, but not a sense of justice when we get the good end of a raw deal, right? When it benefits us. Now, here's the reason why I'm telling you this, is that everybody is born with this innate sense of right and wrong. The problem, as Lewis says, is that 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 innate sense of right and wrong has been stained by sin, but we do have it. And in fact, all of us have, born within us, because we're born in the image of God, these kind of internal conscience where we can tell what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad at some level. The problem, though, is it's stained by sin. Now, the Apostle Paul, he calls this worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. And everybody is born with it. You have a certain level of wisdom. And that certain level of wisdom can take you to a certain level. Right? You don't necessarily have to be a Christian to have some level of earthly success in this world. Everybody has some ability to understand. There's a shrewdness, a, an understanding of right and wrong, an understanding of, of where to push things and where not to push things. It's called worldly wisdom. The problem with worldly wisdom is, though it can lead you to some level of success, worldly wisdom will never lead you to God. Worldly wisdom never is a path that says, at the end of the day, I'm going to trust in God and his wisdom. Worldly wisdom will never lead you there. It doesn't have that capacity. So there can be a level of success to worldly wisdom. There can be a level of success of understanding right and wrong, good and bad. But by itself, it's not sufficient. Now you say, Steve, what do you mean by not sufficient? What does that really matter? If I can make money with worldly wisdom, why does it matter? Well, it matters for this reason. Worldly wisdom might give you some level of earthly success, but it always ends at your own destruction, both in this world and in the world to come. It always does. Worldly wisdom, somebody might start off in life, and let's say they enter life 24 years old, they're out of college or whatever, they they got their training for life, and they start their world. They go off into their world, and they have enough worldly wisdom to get success, to move up in a company or move up in wherever they're moving and, and, or developing their own company. But in the end, as they start reaching that middle-aged period of life, and maybe they got some money and they got a house and they got some things, but they start noticing pain in their personal life and pain in their family life and pain in other places, and suddenly life isn't as fulfilling, and suddenly they begin to start trying their midlife crisis, and so at 50, the guy buys the Corvette, and he goes off, and he does all these things to try to find fulfillment in life. And then they get to a certain age, and they start trying to relive their youth, and they go back, and they're trying stuff, because you see, worldly wisdom will never lead you to ultimate success, will never lead you to ultimate happiness. By itself, it's lacking. Hence the book of Proverbs. It comes in and says, hold on a minute. Your wisdom, yeah, you might get a good job with it. Yeah, you might get a nice house with it. Yeah, you might start your own company. And you might say, see, I got got it all in place. But the book of Proverbs says, yes, but the end of that road is destruction. It is not joy. It is not fulfillment. It is not happiness. It is not security. It is not peace. And it definitely won't lead you to heaven when you die. You need 
a wisdom that is not your own. And what the book of Proverbs says over and over again is your wisdom is not sufficient. It's not sufficient. And that's what chapter 2 of Proverbs is about. It is a father, we're back to the father, speaking again. And the father is saying to his son, you need divine wisdom. And in chapter 2, he says, I'm going to tell you how to get it. I'm going to give you the keys to getting divine wisdom. And that's what chapter 2 is about. This wonderful chapter is the clearest description of how to get a hold of that wisdom that leads to life, that leads to fulfillment, that leads to joy, that leads to security, that leads to an eternity with God. So as we've been going through Proverbs, if you've been following along these past few weeks and you've been saying, Steve, I really resonate with that fool we've been talking about. That is kind of my resume. You're saying, how do I not be that fool? Here it is. Chapter 2. Father telling a son how to be wise. And that's what we're going to see today. Three things he says. You've got to take wisdom seriously. You've got to seek wisdom from the source. And then enjoy the protection that comes from wisdom. Enjoy the protection. What I want you to see today is how to actually get wisdom. I hope that you believe me when I tell you that your earthly wisdom is insufficient. It can lead you to a certain level, but it can't lead you to that ultimate level. And we need wisdom. And my prayer for us is that we would actually pursue wisdom. So let's look at this. Let's look at our first point. Taking wisdom seriously. Follow along as I read the first five verses of Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now notice there are three if statements in there. Those if statements are really the key. This is really the first step to gaining wisdom is to really understand these three if statements. So let me give them to you here. Notice the first one. He says, if you receive my words, treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. You could summarize it this way. Don't treat what I'm saying in a light manner. Take this seriously. Notice these words. If you receive my words and treasure my commandments. What does this mean to receive and to treasure? This is basically just a description of what the word here means in the Hebrew. Remember we talked about what the word here means? With the word here, when you see it in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it means this, listening with the intent to obey. Listening with the intent to receive it, to, to actually take it in, to understand it. It's not listening with the intent to speak, right? It's not, it's not reacting to what is being said. I've grown to the point in life where I get really frustrated with call-in radio programs when I'm driving, and I can't listen to them anymore because it's just reaction, people reacting to things. 
Somebody makes a comment, the other person interrupts someone, they start yelling at each other. There's react, 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 react. And I'm like, but our whole world can't even listen to someone. It's just reactions. And we are surrounded by people whose brain are, only works in milliseconds. Thoughtfulness is gone in, in, in one sense in our age, and reaction is everything. And we, I think, have to work hard at what this if statement is saying. I really do. I think it's a, a struggle for our society to actually say, I want to actually receive what he's saying. So the father's saying to his son, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to say some things to you. And these words I'm saying about wisdom, these words I'm saying about truth, I want you to kind of sit at my feet and soak it in. Listen to it. Understand it. Treasure it. Okay, that's the first if statement. Look at, let's look at the second if statement. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So we treasure it, but not only do we treasure it, we're calling out for it. We're acknowledging my wisdom is insufficient. I need the wisdom of God. I want to call out for it. I want to, I want to actually say in every situation, God, what is the wisest thing to do here? Whatever situation comes your way, God, what is the wisest thing to do? That should be the first words out of our mouth. When somebody says, hey, you know, want to go out for dinner? Hang on. God, is that wise right now? What's the wisest thing to do? In every sphere of life, I want to ask God, is this wise? What's the wise? I want to call out and ask for wisdom. And so he says, listen, if you do that, if you listen to it and treasure it, Call out for it. Seek it because you don't have it. It's not innate within you. You do have wisdom within you, but it's worldly wisdom. And so it's not good enough. It's not good enough. So call out for wisdom. And then fourth, or the, I'm sorry, verse four, the third if statement. And if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. Now I'm going to tell you what comes to my mind when I, whenever I read Proverbs 2.4. And you're going to think, Steve, you're crazy. Here's what comes to mind. Whenever I read Proverbs 2.4, I think of the price is right. <laughs> you know the TV show Price is Right, right? Okay. Now, here's the reason why I think of the price is right. I used to watch it as a kid. And these people would, uh, would wear all kinds of crazy shirts and put all these messages to the host of the show on their shirts. And they would walk in because they wanted to be picked so bad, right? That they're willing to be as crazy as possible and to out-crazy the craziness next to them, right? So if someone is super crazy, then they become like, whatever, what's above super? Uber? Uber crazy, right? They become more crazy than the person next to them. Because they want to get picked. They want to hear, you know, Steve Leston, come on down, right? And they want to come down, ah, right? Now, that's what I think verse 4 means. I will do whatever it takes to get wisdom. I will seek it with all passion. I will seek it with everything. It, to me, will be like a valuable piece of gold. And I'll wear whatever crazy t-shirt I need to get it. I'll scream. I'll yell. I want it. Son, if you really would go after wisdom like treasure. In fact, the father's saying this. Son, 
your desire when you come out of my house. I'm picturing this. Picture this father with an 18-year-old son, and he's saying to his son, your desire when you walk out the door of my house is going to be for gold. It's going to be for pleasure. It's going to be for success. It's going to be for status and an image. But I'm telling you, don't pursue that. Pursue wisdom like you would pursue your career. Pursue wisdom like you'd pursue money. Pursue wisdom like you'd pursue marriage. Pursue wisdom like you'd pursue someone to to validate your life. Whatever it is, pursue wisdom, son. Don't leave the house thinking that money's going to do it. Wisdom is more valuable. But the same passion you would use for your own life, son, use it for wisdom. And so the father says, son, if you would listen, really hear what I say. If you would actually seek it out and say, God, I want it, and pursue it with all your vigor that youth gives you. Take all your vigor and pursue it. Notice what happens, verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Wow. You know, we know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, how do we get the fear of the Lord? You get the fear of the Lord when you say, God, all that matters is you. All that matters is your way. When I fear man, then all that matters is what people think of me. Right? When I become insecure about life and and money, then all that matters is saving money and protecting your bank account. Right? When I fear that, when I fear my health, all that matters is I become just so obsessed with taking care of myself. When, when I fear whatever, insecurity, and, I, and I'm afraid of people hurting me, then what do I do? I start building up walls, and I start pursuing wall building and pushing people away. Whatever you fear, that's what you pursue. Did you know that? Whatever you are afraid of is the very thing you will pursue. And so he says, if you are pursuing the wisdom of God, guess what? You're fearing God. How do you fear God? How do you fear God? You fear God by saying, man, I want you, God. I want to hear your wisdom. I want to absorb your wisdom. And then what do you get? You get the knowledge of God. That's all. Something simple, right? The knowledge of God. You will think, your mind will approach the world through the lens of God. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? He says, take wisdom seriously and you will fear God and you'll begin to think. You'll begin to start making decisions along the lines of the way God would want you to make decisions. You'd process the world through that way. So how would this look in life? I just got three simple things. That you, could, that you could just think about just practically. Say, okay, say, Steve, what would that really look like in my life? Well, here would be three ways it could look. First thing is this. You would turn to prayer first. In your life, you'd be turning to prayer first. Right? You'd be saying, God, give me your wisdom. I need wisdom. Right? So, so problem comes. Your first thought isn't to start calling a bunch of people or, you know, complaining or Facebooking things or tweeting things or whatever. Your first thing, God, I need your wisdom. I need your brain. Facing a problem, I want that. Second thing, how would it look? I think you'd turn to Scripture second. Why would I say that? Because suddenly I'd be saying, God, I want your mind. I need to think like you think. I need something to ground my thought here. Because you see, my own wisdom will always lead me away from you. But your wisdom will always lead me to you. And so I want something to, to guard my mind. 
I like to say it this way. Prayer guards my heart. Scriptures guard my mind. And then we get the third thing. You would turn to wise counsel, which actually guards your actions. Right? God, humble me. Give me wise counselors. When you surround yourself by wise people, they actually do guard your actions. They come alongside and say, yeah, that's really not a wise idea. You shouldn't do that. Usually when, when our own, you know when your own wisdom's taking over because you're finding yourself not praying, not in the Word, and absolutely not, and running away from wise people because the wise people are so judgmental, all they're going to do is judge me, right? You start feeding, feeding into that and feeling that feeling of judgment, which is just a lie because wise counselors don't judge you. Wise counselors might stop you from a foolish action. So guard your heart in prayer. Guard your mind in Scripture. Guard your actions with wise counsel. Take it seriously. And then you get the knowledge of God. And you'll be fearing the Lord. So first thing he says is take wisdom seriously. Second step to actually being wise then is to seek wisdom from the source. Look at verse 6. For the fear of For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Remember when we study the Bible and we see the word for, it's triggering something. Usually, most of the time, it's triggering a rationale. It's explaining something to you. It's telling you something. He's trying to put something in in perspective. So so in verse 5, he says, you're going to get understanding of, you'll understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. And now he wants to explain to you why you will. Why? Because of verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You know, it's interesting. Verse 6 is a, is, a, is a challenge for me as a father. Because, you know, my job as a father is not to be the wisdom of my home. My job as a father is to show my children how to find their wisdom in God. Because God is designing them to leave me and to start their own families. And my job is to show them, listen, God is all the wisdom and he dispenses it liberally and freely. And so the source of wisdom isn't me. The source of wisdom is God. And so he's the one that dispenses it. And he dispenses it with with so much liberality, it's incredible. He gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He's the one that defines the world for you. He's the one that gives you perspective. He's the one that does this. And our role, if if you're a parent this morning, is not to say, listen, it's just me. It's my way. I'm going to lead. That's my, you know. No, it's my job to point you and to teach you how to find your wisdom in God so that when you leave here, you'll be on the track with God. And I can rejoice in the fact that I'm watching you seek wisdom from the source, that the same wisdom that I'm seeking to raise you is the same wisdom that I want you to be seeking when you leave and start whatever God's plan is for you in life. Seek wisdom from its source. And when God gives wisdom, here's what he does, and this is the key to verse 6. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes, notice, knowledge and understanding. 
What this means is this. Summarize it very simple. It means that you will actually be able to navigate all the craziness that life throws at you. You'll be able to navigate it. There's no way that I can anticipate what the next 20 years of my life is going to hold, let alone the next 48 hours of my life, let alone the next many years of my children's lives or whatever, your life. I can't anticipate what's going to happen. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring for you. But in one sense, I don't have to worry about tomorrow if I know that I'm seeking the wisdom of God because God will give me knowledge and understanding. He will help me navigate what is right. He will help me sail through the rocks. Because that's what he gives. And so the father's telling his son here, man, seek it from its source. Now notice how he defines it a little bit more. Because notice he's going to tell now how it dispenses. Notice how it dispenses. Verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Now, there's a bunch of things in there you've got to catch. Notice, he stores up the wisdom, right? He's like collecting it for you is what he's saying. So, which means he's got enough wisdom to handle whatever comes your way tomorrow. He's got it. He'll be a shield. What was a shield in those days in the military? You know, the, the shield guys came first, and everyone hid behind the shields. Don't think like the little circle, Knights of the Round Table, little shields. Think big shields, that went actually over their heads so that when the arrows would come, they wouldn't, you know, hit them on top of the head. These were big, huge guards. And he's saying, okay, this thing's going. God's going in front of you. And not only that, he guards your paths. There aren't rocks or snakes or scorpions or other things that can hurt you. He takes that out of the way. And he's always watching over you. God never sleeps. Okay, but notice who this comes to. He stores this up, and he's a shield, and he's a guard, and he's watching over you. He's a guard that never, ever needs to be relieved from his duty, always there, 24 hours a day. But it comes to the upright. It comes to those who walk in integrity. It comes to somebody who we can actually call a saint, a holy one of God. Now we get to the issue of the heart. Why won't somebody ever pursue the wisdom of God? Well, we don't pursue the wisdom of God because in our heart, we love ourselves. We don't, we aren't upright. We don't walk in integrity. We don't, we don't pursue holiness. And so this proverb is actually calling us to say, listen, I have got to deal with the issue of my heart and my own sin and my own rebellion, and I've got to bring that to God. And this is the moment where we're brought right face to face with the Lord's table today that we just celebrated. Because we get this promise that as we begin to realize, yes, you know what, I do love my own wisdom. I don't go, my, I don't go God's way, I go my own way. And the reason why I go my own way is because, you see, I, I'm more content with, with my wisdom as the base and God's wisdom as the seasoning. You know, let's just let God's wisdom seize in the areas that I can't totally control. But other than that, I'm going to do it my way. 
And what this father's telling his son is, hey, you got to deal with that man because the wisdom comes out to those who have integrity, to those who come honest before God and say, change my heart. Jesus, I need a new heart. I need you to clean me up. When I bring my sin to the cross, Jesus gives me his righteousness. I then get to walk in that righteousness. And when I walk in that righteousness, God says, Steve, man, you pursue me out of this righteous heart. I'm going to boatload of wisdom I'm going to dispense upon you. I'm going to protect you everywhere you go. I'm going to watch your paths and make sure you don't stumble, and I'll never take my eye off of you, ever. But deal with your heart. Whatever it is that's there, bring it to the cross. What he's saying. That's seeking wisdom from the source, bringing my life before God, Saying, okay, God, deal with it. Cleanse me. Make me right. Give me your righteousness so I can walk in integrity because I want from the source being your wisdom. And a side note to you parents in the room, remember your job is to teach your children how to seek wisdom from God. From God. Don't let it stop with you. Because you can't do what Proverbs just said. You can't guard them. You can't be a shield for them. You can't guard their past. You can't watch over them 24-7 for the next 60 years of their life. But God can. And he said he would. Let's point them to the wisdom of God. Seek it from its source. But then, we take wisdom seriously. We seek it from its source. And then you know what we get to do? Enjoy the protection. Enjoy the protection. Look at verse 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Think about that. We seek it from its source. We go to God. And we come to God and we say, God, we need my heart changed. I want integrity. I want to be a person of truth and integrity. Change my heart so then when my heart is changed... You'll pour out that wisdom. And then what happens? I get to understand righteousness. What does that mean? Righteousness is simply this. It's, it's the holiness of God actually lived out. That's what righteousness is. This is why the scriptures will talk about becoming the righteousness of God. It's the idea that you actually start living out and making wise and holy decisions. And suddenly you become a just person. Justice becomes a true justice. Not that little kid cake justice. True justice. True fairness. Suddenly, here, here's the point. You begin to start making the decision that starts being righteous and equitable and just and fair. You say, I'm not going down that path. I'm not going down that path. I'm not going down that path. I want to make the decision that reflects righteousness. I want to make the decision that that, 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 that matches justice and equity, and suddenly every good path starts to show up in front of us. You get wisdom. Wouldn't it be great if this week every decision you made this week was the right one? Wouldn't that be great? You could get to next Sunday and you go, wow, 100% of the decisions were all the right decisions. Your kids are going, man, you guys are great. You guys made all the right calls. 
You know, your boss is going, you're phenomenal. That was every right decision that could have been made. Wouldn't it be great? He's saying, in essence, that's what would happen to your life. You will know every path to take. Notice verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. You actually, here's what happens. Verse 10 is saying this. You will be transferred from somebody who uses wisdom to somebody who becomes wise. Big difference. Big difference. What's the person who uses wisdom? That's the person who gets themselves in a whole boatload of trouble. They come to you and they say, I'm in a boatload of trouble. And you say, okay, well, here are two or three things you can do to get yourself out of trouble. And so they do it. You give them wise counsel. They do it. Okay? And they get out of trouble. They've used your wisdom. But then, three weeks later, hey, I'm in a boatload of trouble again. What'd you do? Well, I did this. Okay. See, you're not really tracking with what I'm telling you. Do this and you'll get out of it. Okay. And they do it and they get out of it. They're just using wisdom. But it's, 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 it's the person who has no control over their spending, and you just keep paying off their credit cards so that they can go out and get in debt again the next day. No control. Verse 10 says, you will go from a person who uses wisdom to being wise because wisdom will own your heart, and suddenly all you'll want is the knowledge of God. All you'll want is to do it right. Notice verse 11. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. See these, these, these benefits. You will suddenly be wise. and just, you, You'll know what to do. It's just pretty simple. You can see it there. Now, something you need to know about Proverbs before we finish these verses here. In the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs takes all of the unwise decisions in the world and they mark them by two different paths. You'll see this. If you just read through Proverbs today, you will see this. Path one is always the path of the evil and the wicked. Okay? That's all throughout Proverbs. There's these evil people and they're waiting to kill people and they're stealing things, right? That's path one. Path two is always immorality. The immoral woman is looking to seduce you into her immorality. Now, the reason why Proverbs uses these two pictures is it's really referencing the pulls that are always on you in life. The pull of greed and the love of stuff and the pull of pleasure and your own personal pleasure. Right? And those two pulls are on you from the moment you enter this world. You step into this world. Pleasure, pleasure. I want, I want, I want. Or stuff, stuff. I need, I need, I need. And you're always going between those two. Those pulls are always on you. Proverbs comes along and says, now listen, wisdom keeps you off of both of those paths. So he's going to tell his son this. Notice he tells him about the first path. He says, hear what wisdom will do, verse 12. Delivering you from the way of evil, right? This evil path. From men of perverted speech, who forsake paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked, and who, who are devious in their ways. He's saying, now, the first pull of a young person, let's say you're 21 years old, doesn't really matter, but I'm just picking this age randomly here, 21 years old, and you got all these people, and they're partying, and they're living it up, and they're having fun, and they're not stuck in the box your parents were stuck in, and you're going, yeah, they're living, they're living life, it's fun, right? Isn't that the pull? If you were 21, and you know what I'm talking about, shake your head. Not if you are 20. If you were 20, you know what I'm talking about. There's that pull on one side that says, yes, these people aren't stuck on the, in their old ways. They're having fun. They're enjoying life. He's saying, listen, that is one of the pulls. 
Another pull is immorality. We'll talk about it in a minute. And he's saying you'll be freed from that. But he says wisdom will keep you off of that path because you know what the end of that path is? Pain and misery and destruction. There's never a good end. You never see the person who lived a life of this kind of thing at the end going, man, that was great. I wish I stole more. You know? I wish I partied more. Man, all those drugs I did, it was awesome. I love having a fried brain. This is so cool. Right? They never say that. They never say that. They say, I wasted it. And he says, you'll be delivered from that way. Notice what else you're delivered from. Verse 16, you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsake the companions of her youth, forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths are departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. He's talking about pleasure. He's talking about immorality. He's talking about people who pursue these kind of sexual lives outside of the covenant of marriage. And they live this way. And he says that is one of the poles to start getting into that world. And you can get sunk down into that world. And all it will do is lead you into a pit of despair. He says wisdom will protect you from that. Speak to the parents. I know not all of you are parents, but parents, when you have your baby, let's say you're a parent of a young baby, you don't want your kids going down either one of those paths, right? You don't want that. You don't want them going down the path of pleasure. You don't want them going down the path of immorality. What is the answer? Teaching them to seek the wisdom of God. Because no matter what we do in life, no matter what we do in life, I can't change their heart. I could lock them in a closet in my basement till they're 40, which would be a bad thing, okay? But I could take it. This is an illustration, not a point, right? It's an illustration. And I could take them out, and they will go to one of those two paths in the first week. In the first week. Unless they know how to seek the wisdom of God. Notice, let's just finish these verses. Verse 20, so you'll walk in the way of the good and you'll keep the paths of the righteous, right? You get to walk in these good paths. Notice 21, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. In Israel, that was the greatest blessing was to live in the land. And what he's saying is those who pursue this, the way we'd apply this today is we'd say, listen, doesn't mean you're going to go live in Israel forever. What it means is that you're going to actually get the blessing of God. But if not, if you say, no, I don't want the wisdom of God. I want it my own way. I don't really care about this. Here's the end result. You'll be, you will face the consequences of God, the judgments of God, and it will be horrible for you. It will be horrible for you. So, your wisdom will never lead you to the protection that the wisdom of God brings. Your wisdom might lead you to some level of earthly success, but you will be sucked down one of those two paths or both of those paths at the same time. You will either be pursuing a life of partying, riotousness, wretchedness, or you will be pursuing your own pleasure and your own perversion to the point where the perversion will consume you. Those are your two paths, unless... You say, God, I don't want either one of those paths. 
I want to seek your wisdom. And we do that by taking it seriously. So let me give you just five observations I pulled from this text, and we'll close with these five observations. The first one is this. If you say, okay, I want to go down that path of wisdom, then the first thing is listen to the wisdom of God. Right? Your wisdom is not good enough. Listen to it. Second, seek it out as a way of life. Begin to start saying, in every part of my life, I, wanna, I want God's wisdom. Value God's wisdom over your own. Recognize that, yes, you might have some level of wisdom. Yes, it might give you some level of success, but it won't lead you to ultimate success. I need God's wisdom, which means, for repent of your own wisdom and embrace the righteousness of God through Jesus. And then, fifthly, stand in the blessing and protection that comes from wisdom. Your skills and your ability to navigate your life and your problems, your ability to manipulate people and try to control outcomes is not strong enough. You need the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the wisdom that you so liberally want to give to us, that you give us wisdom and protection. Lord, I think of the young people in the room, all these young people that I see out here. God, would you please show them that that even though they might be smart, even though they might have street smarts, even though that they might be skilled in this world, that their wisdom will lead them away from righteousness. Would you please touch the heart of every young person in this room? Place within them a desire for your wisdom. I pray for every person in this room. I pray for those who are struggling with big decisions in their life. May they seek your wisdom. Free them from their own. Lord, help us to remember that that whatever we're afraid of, that's what we pursue. So, Lord, may we fear you and pursue you. I pray for the parents in this room that they would teach their children how to seek the wisdom that comes from you, that their children then might be wise when they step out and walk in righteousness. Thank you for the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that is so generously there. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.